Marathon Mates, and we are excited to bring you the third episode of the Flying Runner podcast. This week, we will discuss the Sydney Marathon and its journey towards being the seventh World Marathon Major, as well as host an interview with Terry Frew, a six-star World Marathon Major runner. Terry will share his marathon journey and discuss what is next for him as he moves onwards and upwards from the highs of the six-star. Are you ready to run? Let's go. Welcome to the thrilling world of the Flying Runner, brought to you by the Marathon Mates. To the flying runner i'm tim one part of team ellis running and i'm joined on the panel by tara the other part of team ellis running and by tony our marathon mate and the originator of this crazy idea to do a podcast thank you everyone for joining us again we cannot believe how popular our little show has become for those of you that have invested some time by listening to us just chatting and running chatting about running and and all sorts of other things thank you very much in this episode, we're going to talk to one of our marathon mates who is a six-star finisher, Terry Frew. Terry recently completed his sixth marathon major in Tokyo earlier this year, and he's going to talk about the journey that he has taken uh, around the world on his running journey, on his running adventures. But first, how are you guys going? Tony and Tara, how's your <laughs> week been and how's your training going? Well, we... Um... We had a longer run on Saturday. We knocked over 18 k, so we we're pretty happy with that. So, and um, while I was doing that, I was thinking we really need to probably put a show in there about long runs and long run strategies because everyone's got a slightly different strategy, and it's always be interesting for people to understand how we prep and prepare for our longer runs. But yeah, training was good. But you guys had a great day out there at the jetty to jetty i see yeah jetty to jetty is always one of our favorites because it's two weeks after gold coast we use it sort of like as a i know it sounds weird but like a cool down it's a two week afterwards <laughs> cool down sort of um it, it's fun just to catch up with friends and our running community there we only ever do the um 10ks we don't ever try and push it out to the half um, but Tim did it um, by himself. We It is one that we usually run separately. So Tim ran by himself and got sub 50, which is... Um, Just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of his slower, slower runs, but he we were just trying to take it easy. I walked with some friends that um, aren't runners and yeah. I'm just trying to get them into that whole scene of things. So I walked with... One of, uh, sorry, three of those girls that I catch up with regularly. And then I got to um, run the last probably K and a half with a really good um, friend that we've met through running who has just recently lost her husband. They used to always run jetty to jetty together. So I ran the last one and a half Ks with her just for that emotional side of things, just so that she wasn't finishing by herself. So, yeah, it was lovely. That's, yeah, it is. It sounds absolutely wonderful. So, and um, it's always good when you can do that, show support and care for, for people around you. So which park run did you guys attend on Saturday? <laughs> We went to South Bank Park Run. Uh, we got to uh, run with my sister for a change. So uh, my sister is really enjoying her running. She's recently done a half marathon, her first half marathon, and um, she's she's got that bug. She's had it for quite a number of years, but I guess um, she's just starting to really get to a, a stage of life where she just mm -hmm. enjoys running, and, and we got to catch up with her. And most importantly, I guess, Afterwards, we got to socialise and have a cup of coffee and, and a nice <laughs> breakfast afterwards, which largely yeah. is what Park Run's about. It's about the community side of it. Um, and we did a bit of extra running as well in between just to warm up and, um, you know, get some extra Ks in the legs. So all up, I think, over the weekend, 
on both Saturday, between Saturday and Sunday, I think it was about 30Ks or so, 12Ks roughly on Saturday and then about 18 on uh, on Sunday, 10K obviously racy and then 4Ks yeah. four before and 4Ks afterwards. So, yeah, it's yeah. been um, been a pretty good weekend. Um, I've also had a bit of a head cold in the middle stages of last week there, which, which knocked me about for a day or two. So training was pretty light. So to then come out and go sub 50, I was happy with that given um you know it's not easy when you're coming out of those sort of things and i think it's just you get this you've probably noticed it before i know tara's noticed it before when you when you do your marathons you tend to come off the marathons and your body's taking a while to adjust and you know little bugs and things will just hit you a, a week or two afterwards yeah, um, very much so yeah so yeah. just gotta make sure when you do a, a longer race or a run or anything like that that you do look after yourself afterwards because takes some time everything, everything is pretty mm. low in your body afterwards for some time isn't it yeah it is it's um it does take a little while especially when you're doing long runs like marathons and half marathons um and i guess it's the same for anybody it doesn't matter whether it's a 5k distance or a 10k distance if that's the furthest that you run it sometimes can just take your body just that little bit longer just to recover mm. and get back to where it should be um yeah yeah, well, but it's interesting how your body starts to adapt as well because when I think back to when Sharon and I first started running, we'd do a 10K and then that's it for the day. We just wouldn't be able to do anything else. We'd lie on the couch and, you know, you'd got the remote there and you do the TV and heaven forbid the first half <laughs> marathon we ever did. My, um, But um, your body starts to adjust and now all of a sudden I can do 18 on like we did on Saturday with absolutely no dramas and then go over and help a mate unload his trailer of rubbish. So you just, it's amazing yeah. how you do adapt. Yeah, now, Tim, I, yeah, very much so. Tim, I just want to pick up on something you said in the intro about um, the uh, the popular how popular the little this little <laughs> podcast is and i would, do want to pick up on that because it is something that i i feel is quite amazing and humbling at the same time and like over the weekend we obviously both had really good weekends but during the weekend we ranked number 12 in the apple australia running Club, which is <laughs> just incredible and i was having a look at some of the breakdown of the stats and i just thought people might find this interesting because when you look at where our um, listeners or viewers are from uh, 90 percent are obviously australian so thank you very much to all the aussies but we've got six percent of our listening uh, coming out of the united states and then four percent in the united kingdom and we've got a small foothold of one percent sitting there in the netherlands so thank you to these people and um please share it around um we've got 40 54 percent that listen through spotify and that's awesome because that's where that's also the video podcast as well so you can watch us or listen to us you get a choice and 25 percent are coming through the apple podcasts um interestingly 52 percent of 52.6 a female and 43.9 a male so um, maybe that's the maybe that's the Tara influence, and, uh, <laughs> which is awesome. Tara um, is a big influencer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then, and then when you look at the age breakdown, uh, over fifty-two percent of between that forty-five and 50, 59 bracket. So, and then we've got twenty-two, almost twenty-three percent, sixty plus, and. 19.3 at um 36 to 44 so once again an interesting breakout and um break uh, breakdown of our listeners and um i think we've we've got a really clear target market there don't yeah, we yeah. just yeah very much so we've got, to, and, we've got to get the ratings up in the netherlands somehow if we're at one uh, percent <laughs> so if you are listening to this in the netherlands tell your friends about us um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would like to give a big shout out to Team Kerr, who are in Northern Ireland, who I do know oh. listen to us. Um, so a big shout out to Aaron um, and the rest of the Team Kerr guys. They're fantastic. 
um, yep. and yeah. we might even try and get them on for a podcast one day. So mm, if they're up for good. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so no, that, no, that's big news. Now, I know Tim is just about to get into the exciting news around the Sydney Marathon fields that have been announced. But before he does, I just wanted to chime in because there was two big pieces of news in the running world this week. First up is Elliot Kipchoge is going to run Boston again. And and I think Tim's excited Boston. about that. No, he's not running oh, sorry, Boston. Sorry, Berlin again. Sorry. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, and I think Tim's excited about that because um, that's it. That's uh, a personal challenge. I think he'll take up. So he's been, he's been dodging us for too long. He's <laughs> he's been ducking and weaving and trying to avoid Team Ellis. Yeah. And, you know, we're getting we're going to give him a head start. We'll let him start up the front of the course, up the front of the field, and we'll start back in the you know towards the rear. But uh, yeah, we'll see if we can have a crack at catching him. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that's so exciting. Once again, right. you've got. It'll be the second major, I think, when we ran New York and when Sharon and I ran New York in 2018, Kipchoge won it that year. So um, it'll be our second time running with him on the same course. But even in bigger news than that, and I know that this is huge, well, it, at least it was in our household, um, Team Curl have made the move and um, we have now moved from Apple Watch to Garmin. So we are now, I, mm -hmm. I think, officially runners because we don't just we've got the garment <laughs> so i think that's pretty exciting news it is from my part and just some of the additional little stats that we can see is pretty exciting for us both at the moment in the, so. in the world of real runners now with garment <laughs> so i'm sure those yeah. on puntos and polars and everything else would be uh would be dismissing the garment runners but uh yeah. Yeah, Garmin's are a, 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 a good, sturdy watch. And are you noticing any difference between, apart from some of the stats, are you noticing any difference in accuracy or in timing or anything like that? Or, or Interesting. And, and as you know, um, I've always been totally perplexed by the differences in GPS and timing when Sharon and I run together and yet she'll end up three minutes faster and running six kilometres longer or something. It, yeah. it just it just made no sense to me. And um, needless to say, I think that the Garmin is a little bit closer, even though there is still a slight discrepancy. But, um, but yeah, I, I just, uh, yeah, I just the additional um, screens that you can see while you're running. Yeah. And the interesting thing, and once again, like, People know that we, Jeff, we run and we, some people call it walk, I call it recover. So we run and recover. And Garmin gives us that breakdown uh, at the end of a race, even though we didn't ask for it. So, And I think that's awesome. But you're getting the up-to-date pacing. So as we're running, like, and this is one thing that I really sat down and tried to work through. So when we do our run component, we're running at five minutes a kilometre pace. And then when we're walking, it's 9.30. So you put those two together and we we find ourselves in the sevens per kilometre. So yeah. all of a sudden you start to think about your strategy. Well, if I can run a little bit further and obviously if I can and maintain that 5 minute 30 pace per kilometre, that's going to have some benefit on our time. So it just makes us think a little bit more and think, okay, how can we do this? So it's interesting. So Yeah. Yeah, no, good luck with it and, and uh, keep playing with the screens and, and looking at the stats because we were the same when we got onto Garmin, the amount of stats and information that we got in there that we could then use to sort of go, okay, what if we did this? What if we did that? Can we do this, do this? Uh, you know, even things like heart rate and understanding the heart rate zones a bit better and understanding, you know, what should an easy run be on your heart rate. Um, mm. you know, those sort of things. And the, the newer watches, um, a lot of people say that you need to have your heart rate um, band, you know, the monitor around your waist, uh, around your chest and stuff. Mm. It's not necessarily um, a, a necessary, sorry, not necessary thing anymore because the heart rate on your watch is quite accurate. Um yeah. Particularly the garments, yeah. Particularly the garments. It's quite an accurate um, measurement of what goes on in your body. When you look at when you've been hooked up to ECGs, and I know myself, I've done a VO2 max um, 
through, you know, having the oxygen mask and stuff on and the um, electrodes and everything like that. And my watch and that matches up pretty much exact. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. So that's uh, that's our news for the week that's been, I guess, now um, talking about marathon news from around the world. And the big news over the last week or so is that the Sydney Marathon has announced it's a list of elite runners who will be competing in September in both the men's and women's fields. Um, for those who don't know, Sydney is pushing hard to become the seventh marathon uh, world marathon major. So, you know, besides the, the six that we already have, uh, Abbott's and the world marathon majors are pushing ahead to try and aim for a seventh world major. Um, there's three contenders at the moment uh, who are candidate cities. One is Sydney, one is Cape Town, and one is Chengdu in China. Um, and they're basically going through a two to three year assessment period on those three courses and those three cities. Um, and it's not just about, you know, can, can that city host a marathon as far as, you know, does it have a course, does it have interested people? There's all sorts of metrics that they need to look at um, when they're assessing these things. So it takes a bit of time, but the key metric that they're pushing for at the moment is that all three candidate cities must have at least 15,000 finishes uh, for a number of years leading into it. So Sydney's pushing really hard, as we know, to try and, um, you know, entice people to come there to run. So there's a whole been a whole heap of uh, campaigns, media campaigns. They've got influencers in the media who are, who are running it mm. uh, and they're talking about it on their Instagram posts and things like that. Um, and this field of elites, I think, is going to be uh, one of those things that helps entice people. And we'll go through the elites uh, in just mm. a little bit. But firstly, I'm presuming both of you guys want to see Sydney become the seventh major or over, over Cape Town and Chengdu. Is, is that right? Am I assuming right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think you can. And, and I, the interesting point that you, that you make there is 15,000 finishes. And at the moment, you see a lot of social media feeds in and around Sydney. And the their focus has been, well, let's get the registrations up. But I yeah. think the next step then is how do we get people to make sure that they're a finisher? Because maybe the, there's potential there that a lot of people are just signing up to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, but we really want to see um, 15,000 finishes. So I think that's going to be the next step for the Sydney Marathon journey starts to take, I think. But, yeah, it'd be great to see it here. I think um, I'll pass it on to you in a second, Tara, but I think from a course perspective over the other ones, it's got something going for it, Sydney. It's got the Harbour Bridge. You run over the Harbour Bridge and you finish in front of the Opera House. Uh, it has views of the Harbour all the way through it. So it's a pretty spectacular course from from that perspective and it would attract a lot of people to it. I guess, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm biased being and <laughs> you know, of course I want Australia to have a world major. But I would really, really like to also see Cape Town get it because that means another travel trip for all of us. So, and I have been to Cape Town before. It is a really, really beautiful place to yeah. go. Um, and there are some stunning parts of it that you can run through as well. So um, I would be happy with Sydney, definitely. Um, but I would really like to see Cape Town yeah. get it as well, only because I want to travel more. So <laughs> that's just me. So no, no, I'm the same. I think yeah. um, having another travelling fit tour and another excuse to go on a travelling fit tour <laughs> is, a, is a good thing. So, yeah. And and any other thoughts on it? Yeah, no. Um, I'm, You're all for it. Yeah, I'm, yep. I'm all for that seventh star. I yeah. would like to see if I can get my six star first before I <laughs> before they introduce that uh, seven. Yeah. Because it's twenty twenty five. I think they're looking yeah. to implement it. So, um, and you know, I my preference would obviously be for Sydney. So I've never been to Cape Town, um, but um, never been to China. So I'm I'm more than happy for it to be a a hometown marathon I, I think that's just a great opportunity for australia to show off to the world so it, it will be interesting it's a big step up from to fifteen thousand finishes um i think mm. most they get around about the five or six thousand participants um, yeah. to the marathon down there in the blackmores and they have separated out the other events to give the focus to the marathon on that weekend 
Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting. But there's a whole heap of metrics they have to meet. It's not just the finishes. It's you know they've got to have certain levels of accommodation and and they've got to have uh, you know an expo that meets a certain standard and they've got to have a media presence and there's all sorts of things they need to tick. Mm -hmm. But it appears that when you look at what's happening worldwide and you hear the whispers from from other people who are who are you know interested in the seventh major it seems to me the rest of the world seems to think that Tokyo, uh, that um sydney <laughs> sydney will be the next major um yeah. so i think it's ours to lose which is a it's a good place to be but um you know it's got a bit of work to do i think to get those finishes but it's also the crowd support as well you know getting the the people of sydney to come out and support it not just sydney but people who are going to travel down to just go and and watch it as well you know so it's going to be a big 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 event in september and i guess the reason all three of us or and sharon of course as well we've got berlin marathon the week after sydney marathon yeah. so um, we haven't signed up for Sydney Marathon only because of that reasoning. Um, but we do know some people who are running it, so we might be able to get yes. them on afterwards. And one of them we know is running as a pacer, so maybe yeah. we might get her mm -hmm. on afterwards to talk about her experience at some stage after. That would be excellent. Yeah. excellent. And, and I think our guest tonight actually signed yeah. up for Sydney. Yeah. So. He has signed up for Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> So I also mentioned that there's this elite field. So I'm going to get Tara to do the tongue twister at the oh. moment and go through the elite field for both the men's and women's. So over to you, Tara, who's running in Sydney this year as far as elite runners go. So my apologies profusely for the name pronunciations straight off because um, that's not going to be my strong <laughs> point. Um, so in the men's elite field that we have got, we've got um, an Ethiopian who was world ranked number three, um, Tamarat Tola, sorry, um, his personal best is two hours, three minutes and 39 seconds. We then have Gabriel Gay, um, he is two hours and three exactly, and he's from Tanzania, he's ranked number nine. This one here is a very big tongue twister, so I apologise profusely. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, okay. And <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll just call it Arnie Wallen Walleen. How's that? Thank you, Walleen. thank you. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you for helping me out there. Um his personal best is 205, 27. He's from Ethiopia um as well, and we've, he's ranked number 22 in the world. We've got Moses Kibet and um from Kenya. He's 205.20. He's ranked number 33. And we have Brett Robinson, who is from Australia. Yay! <laughs> so he's 207.31, and he's ranked 104 in the world. Yeah. I think with the home ground advantage, um, that really might help him out to get mm. a PB um, mm -hmm. with Sydney if he can, you know, hang on to that top field and stick with those lead runners i reckon he's got a really good chance with looking at how he's running yeah. at the moment so yeah. Yeah. And if, and if any of those men can do their pbs or better i think they'll set the australian record for all comers running a marathon in australia oh, that's the sort of times we're looking at so to give you an idea uh, i think the winning time at gold coast a couple of weeks ago was 207 doesn't yeah. even get you into the top 250 in the world as far as marathon runners go uh, oh no, it does. It gets you into the top two hundred and fifty. Yeah, sorry. yeah. Um, but it's um, it's a well off from where these guys are. These are two hundred three paces and two hundred five, yeah. which is a big difference from two hundred seven. So uh, it's a big step up in the field, I think. Absolutely, and yeah. um, and it'll be interesting to see how Brett goes with that. So he ran a great race in London, but yeah. it was a, almost like a great personal race because he lost um, he lost um, the lead pack quite early in that. Yep. And so, and then I, he he went top ten at London. So, yeah. um, but it'll be good to see. Him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'd be great, great to see him with that home ground advantage. You know, yeah, the rest of us cheering him on too. So, yeah. um, and of course, we're not going to forget the women's elite field since we've got so many women listeners. Um, we've got Judith Jeptum uh, Cora, she her personal best is two eighteen oh four, and she's actually ranked number three in the world as well. She's from Kenya. We've got another Kenyan, Angela T 
Tanui, um, 217.57. She's ranked number 15 in the world. Uh, Nazareth Weldu, she's got a time of 2 hours and 20 minutes and 29 seconds. And she's ranked number 16th in the world. We've got Haven Hallu at 2 hours and 20 minutes and 19 seconds. She's from Ethiopia. At She's ranked 18 as, um, for the world rankings. And, of course, we've got our Australian um, Sinead Diver. Um, she's 2 hours 21.34. She's ranked 130, uh, sorry, 143rd in the world. So... With any luck, she will um, also have that home ground cheering her on and pushing her through, and she might get a PB as well, with any luck. Yeah. Good to see big crowds there this year. I think that would be, and those big crowds obviously cheering for everyone, but a really big, louder cheer for the Australians, and maybe that's going to be enough to get them to bridge that that time differences. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be good, and I think um, for both Brett and Sinead, it'll be a good hit out before Paris next year in the Olympics, and I think it'll give them um, probably another level of confidence, especially if they can go close to their PBs or better, uh, competing against sort of elite fields here at home to be able to then go over to Paris in, in about this time next year and hopefully, you know, go a little bit quicker over there with, in a bigger field. Mm. So, we, haven't, we haven't seen if our friend uh, Mr Avery from New Zealand's in the no, field at all. No, he hasn't been, been announced. It hasn't been announced week. yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll keep an eye out for him. He may come over. Who knows? <laughs> all right. Well, thank you uh, for those tongue twisters, Tara. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got the last ones from the Gold Coast. So uh, I think, Tony, it's your go next when we have some tongue twisters coming up. <laughs> I'm ready for it. All right, so that's going to be one very quick field. We've got number threes in both the men's and the women's there. So thanks, Tara, for, for going through that. Okay, now it's uh, it's time to hear from our very special guest. So I'm going to hand you over to Tony, who's going to give a bit of an introduction to our special guest, Terry. Um, and it's um, over to you. Go for it. Awesome. So Terry Frews, our, our special guest today, and he was the 50th New Zealander to achieve the Abbott's six-star medal. And now Sharon and I met Terry in at the New York Marathon in 2018, and he was there with his good mate, John Sellers. Now, John is a little bit older than Terry, and he had run at that time well over 70 marathons. So to be talking with both of these guys at the pre-race dinner, Rob D. Costellas up there on the stage talking to us about the marathon, and there's John Sellers, this guy that's run 74 marathons. And, of course, there's Terry Frew. And, and from there, we've become really, really good mates. Funnily enough, those two met doing the Great Wall of China marathon, so which they also say is quite challenging and quite tough. Now, Terry's a great bloke. He's got one detriment. He supports the Canterbury Bulldogs. In the <laughs> Um, but he is a great bloke. He gets on with just about everyone. He's a great runner. He's down to earth. He works hard at what he does, and I think that's what you're going to see and hear in this interview. He talks about a couple of key things that have helped him in his marathon journey. So sit back and enjoy Terry Frew, the 50th New Zealander, to get this Abbott's World Major six-star medal. Good morning, Terry. Uh, welcome for um, welcome to the Flying Runner podcast, um, and thank you for joining us today. Um, so we're going to start asking a number of questions of you, and I guess the most important one, or the first one that we always ask all of our um, our guests when they join us, is when did you get into running, and uh, why did you get into running? No, um, oh, I didn't get into running until middle age, probably about forty five. I think I started running. I um, had no no idea even know how to run. I think I started about half a K and that was about it, run out of breath. And, um, yeah, just slowly set myself a goal of doing the Bridge to Brisbane. And um, I didn't even do that the first year. I uh, done a groin. So second year I managed it and just progressed. And um, I think the reason I did it, I, I was letting myself go a little bit, you know, middle age and all that. And uh, 
decided to do something about it. Mm. And um, here I am. It's a, it's a common story. I, I think I'm still letting myself go. But anyway, so so Terry, <laughs> what was then the motivation for you to take on marathons and in particular to chase the, the six-star medal? Oh, shit. It's... um. I don't know. I'm pretty goal driven on that. And as as I said before, I started off on a 10k, and then progressed to half a marathon, and then I thought I'd try try a um, a marathon out. And um, I think everyone will say the same. I'm never going to do another one. Um, two weeks <laughs> later, I'm I'm thinking I'll, I can do another one, and and I had no idea what the six star was. A uh, good friend of mine, and you know him, John Sellers, um, mm-hmm. wanted me to go to New York with him. So we decided to do New York, and while I was over there, I saw the six star thing. I thought, "What's this?" And um, I thought to myself, "Right, that's my next goal." Mm. And I achieved that uh, this year. Yeah, excellent. We we first met in New York, and that um, must we did, be. Yes, I'd, I'd have to consider that seeing that you met Sharon and I there, that would have to be one of your favourite events, but. Seriously, what would your favourite running event be? Oh, meeting you, of course. But um, <laughs> what about me? Uh, look, <laughs> I, I, they're all favourites of mine. I think I'll never go past New York as being the one that gave me the the tingles in on running. You know, just the thought of running the New York Marathon in New York and two million people screaming on the sides. Like I was just, I. Was, it's just amazing. It's just that'd be my favourite. But um, I think this year, the New York, I mean, uh, Tokyo, um, having my two sons there was very, very special. Uh, my sister and brother-in-law were also there. Um, it was pretty. It was a pretty special occasion for me because it's my sixth star, and yeah, just having them there and hearing them yell out on the sidelines. Um, that, that's got to be one of the favourites as well. That was that was a good event. We were there with you, and uh, Tara and I really enjoyed Tokyo Marathon as well. It's um, there's something special about running those major events, and and Tokyo itself is is a particularly special one because they the people on the on the sidelines really enjoy marathon running, and they actually understand marathon running really well. So um, they they do support you the whole way. Of course they do. Yeah, no yeah. crowds crowds are great in all of them. Yeah. Um, when you're training or when you're in a race and things start to go tough, what do you do to motivate yourself to keep going or, or how do you keep yourself being driven when, when things get tough? Oh, shit. And they get tough, all right. All yeah. marathons are tough. I think just the, the end goal, like I'm always, always give myself a rough time I want to achieve and I'm, I'm pretty tough for myself, so... Just, just the end goal, wanting to achieve what I set out for. And, you know, you, you, you spend a lot of long, long time training for a marathon, as you know, and um, I, I just don't want to let myself down. Yeah. So that's just sort of keeps me going. You know, these are really, really tough times in marathons. You know, you get past that 30, 35K mark and you just want to give up and give up and give up. And, you know, I'd, I'd say most people stop and have a little bit of a walk and, and all that, and I do that, and and it might only be for twenty seconds and all that, but um, all of a sudden someone will give you a slap on the back, or come on, mate, let's go, and off you go again, and you you, you sort of get your second breath. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we've uh, we've been there. I know I have. Um, it's definitely um, those people around you on the day they do help you get through it, and and particularly I guess also the crowds on those those major events. And you talked about New York and and the two million crowd there. Um, you feel like you don't want to let them down when you're when you're running past that many people. I guess is is that how you feel? Yeah, yeah, true. And and every now and again you hear your name yelled out, you know, and you think, wow, you know, they they've noticed you and all that. You can't let them down. So you you, you dig in, you know, you find something, you dig in, and and you keep going. And all of a sudden you see the finish line, and all of a sudden it's like first kilometre. I'm, I'm sprinting. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they do wipe you up. 
Well, it feels and, um, like I'm sprinting anyway. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say I'd love to think I'm sprinting at the end, but um, sometimes <laughs> it's more of a dawdle. But um, but yeah, it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? You're running a, a race with potentially thirty to 50,000 strangers, yet you're all on the one journey. You've all got the one – you're all comrades in a journey, so to speak, and, you know, those pats on the back or some little stranger saying, come on, Australia, or whatever it is that they – you know, it's just a, an amazing feeling. And um, and I guess when we talk about feelings for yourself, you're a proud New Zealander living here in Australia. And um, currently, I think with the six-star medals, well, I know with the six-star medals, there's 71 Kiwis that currently have achieved that goal. So for starters, that's a pretty select group that you're in. But when you look at how the six-stars went, before Tokyo this year, there was only 39 Kiwis that had had the six-star medal. And there were 24 of those um, 24 Kiwis running in the Tokyo Marathon, the same marathon that you got your six-star. And based on your time, Terry, I think you were officially the 50th New Zealander to achieve this. Yeah, hey, top 50, hey? Yeah. Yeah. So that's not, that's not bad. That's uh, pretty select. So well done. It is. Well done. It is. And as you know, Tokyo was the um. There was, there was over three thousand six yeah, star medalists in Tokyo. Yeah, yes. that that's amazing. Three thousand, and I think three thousand three hundred, if my memory serves me correctly. And um, unfortunately, there was a there was one or two that missed some of the the cutoffs during that particular event. So. I mean, that would have been devastating for those six-star finishes to be taken off the course at the 11. No, not fair. Yeah, doesn't seem fair, does it? No. no, it's challenging. Hey, Terry, now that you've got the six-star, um, what are you training for next? Um, I've got Sydney coming up in September. They, As, as you're aware, they, they are vying for the, uh, the Abbott seventh, seventh major. Um, I just thought I'd put my two bobs worth in and add to the numbers, you know. And and um, I, I wasn't going to do it. I, I originally my next goal was to do comrades in South Africa. Um, that's a bit of a bit of a challenge that one, but yeah, I, I couldn't wait. So I thought I'd do Sydney, and um, yeah, I think it's what, nine nine or ten weeks to go. Yeah, it's a week before we do Berlin, so uh, we've got about ten weeks to go to Berlin. So yep. yeah, about ten, uh, nine weeks for you. So, so um, how are you going on your training? I guess at the moment for for Sydney, are you you're starting to ramp up the miles and and get the distance in on the legs? Yeah, I am actually. I am. I'm um, starting starting to starting to come together. Um, I've got the uh, Jetty to Jetty half marathon this week, and then after this week, I'll um, I'll ramp it up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, until yeah, I get to taper time, and and then Sydney, yeah. Yeah. I should um, I should also say um, you're doing the Jetty to Jetty half. Tara and I are doing the Jetty to Jetty 10k event as well. Um, but I should also say that the way we got to meet you was actually via Tony. And uh, when we said we were doing the London Marathon, um, Tony mentioned that you were doing it and to keep an eye out for you. And then on our training tracks, we trained on essentially the same training tracks and, and uh, we put a post up on one of the pages that we did and Terry saw it and, and the next week we, we literally bumped into you as we are running and, and have been good mates ever since. So um, it is a small world, this marathon world. Um, it is. And uh, you meet a lot of people along the way. Um, now, on your journey, you've done the six stars, as we said. So tell us a little bit about that six-star journey. How many years did it take you to go on that six-star journey to achieve the six stars? Um, oh, look, I think um, I, I was talking to Tony the other day. I only just thought about it the other day. Um, all up is four and a half years, I think. Um, the first three I did in uh, like 11 and a half months. And then, of course, I had um, the COVID stuffed everything up. And um, so there's nothing for a couple of years. And then I did the last three in 10 and a half months. So, but all up about four and a half years. Okay. And um, do you want to just quickly recap your thoughts, I guess, on each of those races? So you started off 
with New York. How, you know, you just mentioned that briefly. What was your experience of the course and the race itself? Oh, look, like I said before, you, you, I can't beat New York. It's just just amazing. The course, I loved the course. I didn't like Fifth Ave much coming up towards the end because it's just a slow, steady grind. Yep. But apart from that, the rest of the course was, was yeah, just simply amazing. Yep. And then um, after that, I did Berlin. Um, got a PB in Berlin, so I was pretty happy with that. It was a, it was, um, yeah, the course was all right. It was, it was miserable, just drizzled the whole time. Um, so pretty cold when I finished that one. Um, two weeks later, I did Chicago. Um, I didn't quite get my goal time in Berlin, so I thought oh, I'm going to go all out in Chicago. Yeah, that, that didn't go too well either, but... Um, <laughs> That course was okay, but the roads are pretty rough in Chicago. A lot of potholes, mm. and um, so be careful if you're going to do Chicago. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we had COVID and all that. And um, what was next? I did Boston. Yep. Boston, I wasn't a great fan of Boston. I'm going to go back and do that one again because it's the only one I didn't do under four hours. So mm. I, I was a little bit cautious in my training. Um. But yeah, look, Boston's Boston. It's I, I love Boston City itself. I think it's an amazing place. Um, the course, starting out in the country and coming in, like you don't get the, the same crowd effect unless probably the the last ten k's when you head into the city and and all that. And then once you hit the old sit go sign, um, the crowds go crazy and all that sort of stuff. So, um, so, so just for the listeners, I guess that don't know, Boston is a point to point course where you start essentially 42 kilometres out from the centre of Boston <laughs> and you start in uh, a little rural area or somewhere thereabouts and then you mm. run through a series of towns. So my, my understanding is, and I haven't done it yet, I know both of you guys have, as you hit each of those towns, there's a little bit of a crowd in each town and then it dies off and you're a little bit of quiet time uh, between mm. towns. Is that right? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. That's why it is. And you go past the screaming girl, I can't remember what the, the school's called, but... Um, that's early on on the race, the old screaming girl screaming out everywhere and all that. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, that's the case. And, and then you hit the series of, of hills, you know, um, Heartbreak Hill being the last one there. It's um, pretty tough going there as well. But, you know, the, the course is okay. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's you get a little bit lost sometimes when you, you haven't got the crowds cheering you on and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And then after that, went to London. You were there. I think you were both there, weren't you? In London, yeah, we, we both were. Yeah. Um, oh, look, London was just simply amazing too. I love love the city and all that. The course, love the course. A lot of a lot of landmarks there. You know, um, running over the Tower Bridge and and past Big Ben and all that sort of. You know, it's pretty pretty special times there as well. Um, and then yeah, of course this this year I did the. Um, Tokyo six star in Tokyo with my family mm. there and and you there as well and it was just yeah just a pretty special moment that one as well had a mm. um a special dinner that night um with with my boys and um my sister and, and brother-in-law Kay and Mark um, and we foregoed the um Tokyo after marathon party and all that because I was just enjoying myself so much just with a small group of family and we, we we had a ball yeah that that's that's what it's all about ultimately isn't it it's mm -hmm. it's about what we enjoy and what we do and and i must say terry i've got your your figures up here on my other screen and you know tara made a comment in our most recent episode that um you're fast and um in in relative terms and for someone to say that their worst marathon was a 404 I think that's a pretty good example of the quality of runner that you are. But you've, you've had it pretty tough because you talked about your first three and then you had this little thing called a hip replacement that many people then consign themselves to the scrap heap and never to run again. Yet for you, it almost invigorated you to go even further and faster and better. So talk about that journey because so many people would be um, just, that's it, I'm done. I'm going to just look after the new hip and you just said, I'm going to keep running. Yeah, well, 
I suppose when I, I had trouble with my hip way before New York, and I um, doctors basically told me not to run anymore. And I took mm. I took six months off running, did a lot of pool work and all that sort of stuff to keep my fitness going and all that. And I went back and he said, look, your hip's worse. You're probably and you know, I was starting to well up in my eyes actually with the old doc in front of me. I said, I've got to get out of here. And I just said to him, I just said, look, I don't care what you say. I'm going to go for a run this afternoon. I just need to go and do it. And, mm. and it seemed to feel all right. And that's when um, John Salas got in touch with me. He said, you want to do New York? I said, right, I'll give me to the end of the year. If I can run 20Ks, I'll do New York with you the following year. So that's that's what happened. But um, And I persevered with the old hip. I had to... Um, probably not the cleverest of things to do, but I was taking painkillers on my long runs and on the marathons and all that just to get through them. And then once I finished um, Chicago, I came back and after a little bit of a break, I started going for a few small runs and the hip was just giving away on me. And yeah, that was, that was D-Day there. I, I went made an appointment with the specialist again and um, he said, yeah, look, it's knackered. So um, I saw a book in. That's technical terms, isn't it? Knackered. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I said, just book me in. So I, I was very, very, very fortunate to get in uh, before they closed the doors for COVID in the hospitals. I got in, I think, about a week or two weeks before they closed the doors. Mm. So, and, you know, it worked out not too bad. I got to have my rehab. There's no marathons, nothing. I wasn't missing out on anything because, um, COVID was there and there's no runs, no majors, no nothing happening. So I um, sort of took my time a little bit to in my rehab and, and yeah, being, being a bit stubborn, um, I went out and started running probably a little bit too early. I tried to do too much thinking that, you know, I'm back to normal, but then all of a sudden it collapsed on me again. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the doc told me taking up three months off, so I just taken up three months off running, and and then I went back, um, started back very very cautiously and slowly, and built my way up, and and then once they started opening up again, I'm I'm in Boston, and I I was lucky with Boston that when I did my PB in Berlin, I actually qualified for Boston, so and that window was extended because of COVID, so I was lucky enough to um, still use that time to get into Boston. Mm. But the hip's fine now. It's um, doing real, real good. I, I you know my pace has dropped off a little bit, but um, it probably comes with a little bit of age it's, as well. It's dropped off a little bit, but you're still going sub four hours. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. well, well I hope to do that again in Sydney, but we'll see see how yeah. we go. Yeah, I guess um, I guess that helps. You, you don't get as much pain, I guess, in the hip now that it's uh, mechanically fixed, but. Uh, I guess it would lead to other issues when you're running, um, change of style, change of technique, those sorts of things on the body. Is that the case for you? Yeah. Um, I, I um, started running when I came back and I thought I need to um, – I, I bounce a fair bit when I run, so I needed to sort of stop that a little bit. So I had to change my style a little bit so I'm – I don't know what you call them, sort of a half-pie shuffle type stuff and try not to bounce as much, um, try and protect the hip a little bit. Um, I've sort of gone back to my old style a, l- a little bit, but not as bad. But, yeah, and, and my stride length's not there as it used to be. I, whether that's related to the hip or not, I'm not sure. But, it's um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, pace has dropped off and all that sort of stuff. But I'm just happy to be out there, you know, running, and just still enjoy myself. Yeah, very much. So, did your um, marathon preparation then change? I guess pre-hip, you would have had a certain routine and a certain program you may have followed. To afterwards, has it changed much in that time, or is and, and what would a typical program, I guess, look like for you now, building up to a marathon? So, nine weeks out of um, Sydney, you're talking about a half marathon this weekend and building up. What what sort of distances do you go to, and and sort of how? regularly do you run each week um i'm probably doing about 80 odd k's a week 80 but over 80 k's a week at the moment um i'll step that up to pretty close to 100 k's for maybe four or five weeks before i taper and i don't do i don't really do a big taper but um 
yeah, pre pre hip, pretty similar distances. I had an online coach there. Um, he, he's very good. He's the one that got me to my PB and all that sort of stuff. Um, I I sort of follow a little bit to what he he taught me, but um, I sort of just wing it nowadays. Um, and just sort of pinch a little bit of a few. But I use a basic um. um uh, what do you call it? Here's one of these moments you've got to edit, all right? Um, <laughs> training plan? Yeah, training plan. Yeah, I, I use the basic training plan, but mainly just for the um, for the workout parts of it, not not even so much for the long runs, mainly just for the workouts, you know, mm-hmm. you do different workouts and all that sort of stuff. So I try and stick to one plan per marathon and, and stick to those workouts and all the rest. I, I sort of just – I just go run, um I'm, I'm a typical runner and I suppose my easy runs are probably not easy enough. I try. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you get a little bit eager and think, oh, this feels great and you keep going and you realise you probably ran a little bit too fast. But, you know, I've only a few more years left of me, so I do what I like, I suppose. <laughs> but, yeah, no, look, I, I, I enjoy it. I, I start off by probably a 20-week. I, I casually run anyway. Then about twenty weeks ago, I'll start a plan, and I'll I'll probably just start off with about four runs a week, and then I'll, I'll mm. after about four four weeks, I'll slip it up to five, and then I'll go up to six. I'm doing six at the moment, mm. and then as I said, next week I'll probably slip it up to seven, and slowly oh, work yeah. up to about a hundred or bit over a hundred k's for the week. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly time on the legs, isn't it? And um, that certainly helps you no matter what it is that you're aiming for. So. Uh, one thing that's always intrigued me, Terry, when once you hit your six-star goal, and we was there then a challenge for you to find motivation for your next running goal? I mean, it is such a build-up, and in your um, space, it was from 2018 right through to 2023. So it's such a big focus for those five years. When you achieve that six-star goal, did you find that your motivation dropped when you were looking at well, what's next? I've, I've achieved what I set out to achieve. Uh, I'm not sure the motivation dropped, but um, I, was, I was a little bit lost there for a little while for for about a month. Um, yeah, you're right. That six star it, it consumed me for about yeah best part of five years mm. um, to achieve that, and that was my sole focus is get that six star. You know. Um, and then I got back after I did it, after a few days or a week or, or whatever it might be, and I thought, what do I do now? And I, I, I was totally lost. I, I knew I had comrades on the horizon, but I couldn't wait that long, as I said before. I couldn't wait that long, and that's why I poked Sydney in the middle there. Because, um, yeah, I was, I was just totally lost, eh? Because my focus had always been on that six star. And you achieve it, and it's it's... You know, it's it's an amazing feeling being able to get yeah. that, and then all of a sudden it's a it's a bit bit of a downer. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think you've got to always keep aiming for something, and that's the hard thing. Like, you know, I know Tara and I. That's our goal at the moment. We're we're aiming. I know Tony and Sharon. It's the same for you as well. Aiming for that six star over the next couple of years, but got to have something to aim for beyond that as well to keep it going and and other challenges. Um, and that's the that's the difficult thing, I guess. So. You talk about comrades. Is that is that your next big challenge? I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's a ninety k's one over in um, South Africa over there. Yeah, I've been wanting to do that for a few years now, um, but like I said, my focus was on the six stars. I didn't want to interrupt that and all that. So um, yeah, that's that's my next big challenge. That one there, and it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, and after listening to uh, Mari Ma um, and her, I. I had no idea that she was still that active and running. Mm. Um, but to do seven of those uh, marathon disables, yeah. um, <laughs> I'm sure I, I'm, I can get through um, one comrade. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's uphill your year, I think, isn't it? Next year's an uphill year for comrades. I think it is, yeah. yeah. yeah so there's listeners out there. What yeah. goes up must come down, so I think so. <laughs> So for those listeners out there who don't know, Comrades is a almost a national event in South Africa. Pretty much the whole country yeah. heads into it. It's a 90-kilometre run 
one year it goes uphill and then next year they reverse it and you go downhill and everyone tends to think running downhill is the easiest course but those who i've talked to say downhill is actually harder than the uphill it's mm. harder on your body so uh, I'm not saying you're getting an easy year. It's a 90 kilometres uphill next year, Terry. But, I don't uh, think either of them are going to be easy. No. <laughs> no. I, I, I don't think running 90 k's is easy at all. And it was interesting, Terry, hearing you after the, the six stars because in my mind initially my thought process was once I'd done those six stars, I was never going to run a marathon again. I didn't have to. I could just pick and choose 10K fun runs and just keep running that way. But then suddenly New York 2025, because we plan to hit the six star in Tokyo next year. So New York 2024 is our victory lap. So we're going to run it as our victory lap and to see our name on the six star board. And then um, I started thinking about, and I, I think we talked about this over the weekend. I'm now thinking about doing Boston again because I want to, I want to beat the course as opposed to just surviving the course. So it's interesting how just starting to think about things and setting a goal and and extending life in that in that journey. So it will be interesting to see. Yeah, for, for sure. I, I, I'm thinking of doing New York that year again too, and I'm definitely uh, want to do Boston again. I'm going to get. Um, Get under four hours. So. Get in it. And I think it's somebody's 50th, so that's another reason. To be <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I've heard that rumor, yeah. Tara's, Tara's <laughs> getting old, isn't she? No, no, no. So, um, <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed, and the way things work out, Tara and I will be achieving our sixth star at New York next oh, year. Yeah, pretty and amazing. I, I also cool. turned 50 that, that year, is in that month as well, in November. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the more the merrier. Let's celebrate it and, and have a good party. So, yeah. Uh, let's let's do that. Um, we understand after each of the majors, you you capture an image on a print and you you put them up on your wall at home. And and uh, how did that all start? And I guess and 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 now that you've got all six, you know, tell us a little bit about some of the images and, and things you've captured on those things and the meaning behind some of those those pictures you've got. I don't, I, actually, I don't even know how it started. I I um, when I done the first three, I thought, oh. I might go get a print of them and, and I sort of saved, you know, like photos or images of, because they're all marathon related. Um, so the New York one is, is simply just, it's just worded like the five, you run through five boroughs in New York. So that all it is is just a print of the five boroughs. Um, mm. And then um, I think um, Berlin was, is, is the professional image of, of me um running underneath brandenburg gate on on the last oh, wow. half half a k which is um it, it's pretty good and and it actually it, it's my favorite because on on the left hand side i can see my sister and brother-in-law on, oh, on the sure. sideline as That's well yep. you can just just pick them there and at, mm -hmm. i think at the moment and as i'm running i've got my arm up like that and i'm waving to them because mark yelled out to me and and just to look at them over there was pretty special as well and yeah, just they're just like that. Like Chicago's just be dangling my middle over over a river, over the Chicago River over there, and just just um, just simple marathon related things. I just thought it might look good, and I got them going up up my stairway. Mm. Boston ones as a collage of four different race number, the yellow buses, which is um, pretty unique over there, and and all that. Um, uh, London of me is another one of. Uh, Buffhead running um, with uh, Big Ben and Parliament House behind me. Yep. Um, it's pretty, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good one too. And, and my last one, of course, was me and my sons um, yeah. and my race kit and, and they're standing there and that. So, yeah, that's pretty special as well. They're all, they're all pretty special. We'll have their moments, you know. Yeah, and that's, that's a big part of it all is, and it's something we celebrate here as well, is, is the celebration, you know, right? Running a marathon is a pretty unique thing. Running six major marathons around the world is definitely a very unique thing. There's not many people that have done it, but to capture those memories and to celebrate them so that every time you see them or somebody else sees them, uh, it, it brings back those happy memories of those times. And that, that training you've put in, the effort that you put in on the day and the reward that you, you had at the end of actually finishing it in, in the time that you want it. Um, so I think exactly. it's a very good thing. 
Yeah, yep. very much so. And Terry, just uh, for a final question before we sign off, what advice would you give to anyone who's inspired now or, or silly enough to set aim for six stars or even completing their first marathon? What did, uh, what's some sage advice from the wise warrior that you are would you give to them? Don't even think about it unless you're going to put the big efforts in. You got to put the long, hard runs in. Um, commitment and consistency. As, as you hear those words all the time, um, you got to be consistent if you're training. And yeah, don't don't go in half-hearted. It's, it's not a it's not an easy task. And if you want to go do the six stars, go for it. It's a, it's a great way to see the world um, and do something that you love and meet some amazing people along the way. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much, Terry, for joining us today. Um, and uh, we look forward to, I guess, seeing you on your next adventures, wherever they are, obviously Sydney. And I know a few of our listeners are going to Sydney and, and, and running Sydney as well soon. Um, but uh, good luck with Comrades next year and obviously with your half marathon this weekend as well. So um, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been excellent. Thanks, Terry. Okay. See ya. All right. Well, thanks, uh, thanks, Terry, for that very uh, enlightening discussion there, and uh, <laughs> really good to hear from uh, Terry around uh, his journey that he's been on, uh, how it all started out for him, um, and also the ups and downs. I guess the down being his his knee reconstruction that he had along the way, knee or hip, 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 hip. knee. I was going to say that wasn't yeah, a sorry. knee; it was definitely a hip. Definitely a hip. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, Tony, um, Terry's one of those blokes that we've met along the way. We've done a couple of tours overseas with him. Um, mm. He's a, one of those good all-round blokes, um, and I think that came through in the interview. And being Very a local, so. you know, local running track as well, we get to see him <laughs> almost every weekend. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a lovely guy. And for those that know Terry and follow him on Strava, you know that he's not shy of doing a distance run. So, um, and some of the key things that stood out when we were talking with Terry is, you know, A, his humility about what it is that he's done. Um, B, the second thing was the highlight. When I asked him about the highlight, he shared the fact that it was his sons that were able to be there and members of his family when he collected his six star. And I yeah, think that shows... <laughs> and, and I think that just shows where his, um, where his heart and his soul is, I guess. Um the other thing that stands out, he's dedicated, he's got consistency in what he does. He just gets up and runs and he's worked with a coach. He follows the training plan. He sets a goal. He achieves it. And the, the interesting thing he, that he also mentioned is that he wants to get back to Boston. And I've got, got it right this time. He wants to get back to Boston because that's the only one he's done where he went over four hours. So he's. I talk about consistency and this is what you see with Terry. So I'll just go through the times that he had with all his six majors in order of how he did them. So his first one was 2018 New York, and he did 3.43. I, I won't worry about the 14 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just keep it simple. It's nothing over 42 kilometres. <laughs> yeah. Unless you so, keep <laughs> And then we, he did Berlin, and Berlin was his quickest time at 3.27. Uh, Chicago, he followed that two weeks after Berlin in 2019, and he did 3.41. And then, as he mentioned in the, um, in the interview, there was the COVID break, and also what transpired was his hip replacement break. He came back in 2022 and ran Boston in 4.04 and uh, backed that up two weeks later, might have been a week later um, with London. No, it wasn't. London was no, October that year. Yeah. Yeah. So that was 3.51 and then he did Tokyo in 3.57. So, you know, considering his fastest time, 3.27 and he finished with Tokyo at 3.57 with a brand new hip and when most people are told after a hip replacement, you will never run again. I, I think is just a testament to toughness and determination. Yeah. No, he's done very well and, and there wouldn't be too many people out there with busted hip that are out there running marathons in those sort of pace that he's done it in. So And he and he's now looked 
he's now looking to do comrades. My God. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, and it it wouldn't be um, coming to the end of the show if we didn't do Tim's funny now. So, Tim, I'm going to hand it back to you. It's time for your funny. I don't think it gets any better this week. <laughs> but anyway, we'll have, a, we'll have a crack and see how we go. So what do you call a clown who always signs up to every marathon? Do you know anyone? No. I'd call him Tim, but anyway. <laughs> so a clown that signs up for every marathon, that's called a running gag. Oh, God. <laughs> i got to get them better. I've got to find some better ones. But anyway. Tony, I think okay. you're going to have to hand the funnies over to you. <laughs> I, anyway. I don't mind. I, I don't mind a good dad joke. Yeah, <laughs> that one's a good dad that. joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's that's the end of this week's episode. So, uh, Tara, what's coming up on next week's episode? Oh, excellent! So next week we're talking more about running and particular. And in particular, passing on some of those tips and tricks that we have learned along the way to help us with our nutrition, hydration, recovery, muscular strength, and just generally motivating ourselves to keep going when we are feeling flat. We will talk about um, some of our regular things that we do to maintain our bodies whilst digging a little deeper into our training methodologies. So stay tuned. Cool. Sounds great. I wonder what we're going to talk about then. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think it's important that we share those tips because, as we say, we want 15,000 finishes at Sydney. So right. we really want people to finish, not just start. So. That's it. That's it. So it should be a really good episode, and I can't wait for it next week. So thank you, Tony, for joining us tonight, and thank you, Tara. Um, so we've now concluded our third episode. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe wherever you listened or watched this episode. Video of this episode will be available on Spotify and YouTube and audio will be on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts and most other popular podcast platforms. Google. Including Google, (laughs) yes. So remember, every step forward is a victory. Lace up, hit the road, and we'll catch you on the next episode. So until then, happy running. Happy running. Happy running. Happy running.